The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, as I'm sure you can tell from my accent. I've worked for many years in Canada and also with various colleagues and various projects in the U.S. I'm actually retired from medical practice, but I'm still working in healthcare and I do a kind of research and development. Now, I see family caregiving as one of the most important supports, props, money savers for healthcare right across the world right now. Family caregivers are the people who provide care to family members suffering health challenges. Family caregivers are the people who go on providing care when all the professional caregivers, like I used to be, have gone home. Family caregivers are the people that the healthcare systems of so many countries, including U.S. and Canada, represented today, rely on more and more. And here I'm going to confess, if it isn't already obvious, that I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, our episode today is about kinship caregiving. And to discuss that with us, we have two guests, Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. They're grandparents and kinship caregivers and much more besides. They're going to share with us their experience and their expertise and their stories. Betty Cornelius is president and founder of CanGrand's National Kinship Support, a Canadian non-profit organization that provides support for kinship caregivers. CanGrand's is a home online that welcomes kinship caregivers raising grandchildren or other family members. CanGrand's helps them, helps all of them maintain or reestablish family ties. And Betty is a kinship caregiver to her granddaughter. Sherry Johnson is kinship caregiver to three granddaughters. Sherry's experience includes her life as a parent, former foster parent, step-parent, juvenile, probation and parole officer, and all-round guardian. Her goal throughout is to assure the children of their rights. And through the concept of kinship caregiving, this is what um, Sherry says, Grandparents and others who are entrusted with the care and nurturing of children are finding a greater voice as advocates for the children and for each other. Welcome to the show, Betty and Sherry. Thank you Thank very you. much for having us. You're very welcome. Now, I'm going to start with a question, straight question to Betty, please. In Canada, what does kinship caregiving actually involve? 
Basically, it's grandparents or a blood relative, but now they change the definition to any full-time nurturing and protective person that's stepping in. So it could also be a neighbor. For the most part, it's a grandmother, aunt, uncle, who's taking care of a child or youth that has been found in need of protection. And again, that would be in need of protection from the parents. Okay. That's, that's a point we're going to come back to. Mm-hmm. Sherry, before I ask you the same question relative to the U.S., how did you come to know Betty? I met Betty online through a grandparent support group years ago. And, in fact, uh, gosh, I, I imagine over 10 years ago. And um, we got to know each other, and she had uh, gotten custody of her dear little granddaughter. And at the time we met, I was um, trying to obtain custody of three of my grandchildren. And we've just kept... Uh, kept together. In fact, Betty gave me a cyber shower when I got the girls, and there were gifts coming from all over the place, Canada, U.S., and even friends of friends of other grandparents. It was just amazing. Wonderful. Now, what in the U.S., what does kinship caregiving actually involve? Um, In my particular case, uh, the broader definition here is is someone blood-related to a child, and they're in charge of the care and nurturing of the child, either in a position of guardianship or most likely because of the new laws we have here, they have to become actual foster parents for the children. And uh, and in my case, I adopted all three of my children, but I'm still considered a kinship care provider, although they're legally now my daughters. Interesting. We'll come, again, we'll come back to that in a moment. I want Betty now to tell us about CanGrams, what, what, it, what it does and what it actually wants to achieve as an organization. Thank you, Gordon. Um, CanGrams started out of my own need. I was raising a grandchild and thought I was alone, and I started doing a little research and found out that there's 60,000 of us in Canada, 5.5 million in the States. And I wasn't alone, so I stuck a little ad in the paper and said, you know, call me, and um, so there we grew, and we are now a national not-for-profit group with local chapters and a Internet support group, giving supported advice to kinship families over the phone and Internet, as well as an annual conference and campout that I do. I'm going to ask Sherry about the equivalence organizations in the U.S. and what, what, Sherry, has been your experience of them? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, especially uh, kudos to Betty, because we have no powerful national organization such as she's developed with her can grants. She's worked so hard with that and has had some good folks along the way help her with it. We have an uh, association of uh, retired people, the ARP organization here, and they have a group called GAP, which is Grandparents as Parents as particularly just kinship care provider groups, we have none. What's been, what's been your role? Because you've been very active in the, in, with your own family. What about your own activities to promote help with other people, for other people, uh, in the way that perhaps you came to know Betty? Tell us about your own work. Okay. Um, I, I work... Uh, 
on call with various different groups that have a member or uh, a person ask them for a particular help, and they'll call me and connect me with uh, an, an individual. Oftentimes it's someone uh, trying to get custody of their grandchild, needing guidance through the legal system. That's a that's a big, big one uh, that people need help with. Um, I'm also on still on online groups with two two different groups, and one in particular is grandparents that have an adult child that's an addict alcoholic, and many of us have have raised or are raising those adult children's children, so we support each other. You mentioned the legal situation. Just give us a sense of what the legal issues are that you you encounter and people like you encounter. Oh my, um, it it's it's very convoluted, very difficult. You're dealing with uh, unless it's a direct uh, family caregiving situation, which doesn't happen that often anymore. It goes through. Each in the United States, each state uh, through the Department of Human Services is the federal organization. Each state has their own state child protective services agency. And when a birth parent is unable or unwilling to provide appropriate care for a child, they then are taken into state custody. Ultimately, many of these children, the parental rights are terminated and then they're available for adoption. And um, kin are supposed to be given, by law, uh, priority rights, but they often are not even notified that the child's in custody. So we we have legislative problems that a, a couple major groups are working on the label, the uh, legal end of the, these issues, and um, every year it seems that a new change has been made to the Family uh, Act, which is called the Adoption and Safe Family Act, where it helps uh, kin to gain quicker and better access to their ability to uh, care for the child. Betty, just let me ask you, we've only a short time, just to say, how's the situation in Canada? Is it similar or uh, are there other problems? Oh, yes. Legally, it's a, it's a nightmare. And, you know, the grandparents have all sorts of comp- compound issues, shame. You know, their, their adult child can't take care of their, ch- their grandchildren, fear. The financial piece of it is, it is just mind-boggling. Um, here in Canada, we have CAS instead of CPSs in the States. And if they get involved, there is some support, but CAS in Canada is broke and therefore they want the grandparents to take kids with no financial support. So it, it's a huge, a huge issue. How much, exp- how much success have you had in raising these kinds of issues with government? Very, very little. Um, I did get an hour of both the ministers, Minister of Social Services and Minister of Children's Services last year, year before last, and absolutely nothing has come out of that. We did get a kinship bill um, bill 210, it's affectionately known as the kinship bill, uh, passed, which says if a child's placed in a home of a grandparent or aunt or uncle, 
there's financial support. However, the system has found a way of getting around that. So we really feel like we're talking to the walls. Uh, Sherry, are you, do you feel that you're talking to walls as well? <laughs> well, I've talked to quite a few walls. And I've found, though, what i found is hopeful, and, and Betty has a, a very big point in that the agencies are broke. They're broken, the, the states as well. And all money is tight for all the way around. When you're talking about grandparents, raising grandchildren, uh, as Betty mentioned, there's a last census, there was 5.5 million grandparents in the United States raising their grandchildren. My state of New Hampshire only has a million people in it. So if you had uh, compared how, how vast the problem is and how many our needs are and for myself, I'm 67 years old, and I have three teenagers now. So it's, it's quite a financial burden. We're going to come back to a large number of the sort of problems and issues you, you've talked about, but it's very clear from what you're both saying that this is a topic, what the work you're doing, the whole, the whole thing, needs far better understanding, because I have to confess to you both that I, hadn't, I was not aware um, of, first of all, the situation, and secondly, uh, the way in which this pressure puts itself on people like grandparents. And so I hope that this show is going to do something to help, to help us go forward on that. Now, it is coming up to time for us to take a break. This is where we, uh, so to speak, um, pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We'll definitely be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Listen for the right turn with JJ O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest growing motor sports series the grand am rolex sports car series presented by crown royal cask number 16 you'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next from the rolex 24 at daytona through watkins Glen international mid ohio laguna seca right up to the championship at homestead miami speedway the right turn with jj o'malley broadcast live every monday at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific on the power up motorsports channel Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called 
Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. Our topic is kinship caregiving. I'm going to ask our guests to talk about their own experiences as grandparents and kinship caregiving. And starting with Sherry first, please share with us your story as a grandparent involved in kinship caregiving. Well, my experience began before uh, my first grandchild was born, and that was fear for the well-being of the child to be born because her mother was a drug addict. And uh, in helping her get a place to live and a vehicle and furnishings ready for the baby, and uh, this, this dear little thing was born right into my arms. And from that, that was 15 years ago. Um, and there have been more children born, so I got ended up with three little ones, one uh, aged two, one aged four, and one aged five in my care as a uh, pre-adoptive foster care home. All of them with special needs, all of them with uh, uh, emotional and mental handicaps. So it's been a busy time. Quite a story. Betty, please share with us your story as a grandparent involved in kinship caregiving. Well, they say what goes around comes around, and my grandmother raised me till I was six. Then I was returned to my mother, who was not willing and ready to raise me, but I was there. So I escaped very young <laughs> to a marriage that was bad, and I actually became a grandmother at age 39. And on day three of my second grandchild's life, I knew that I would have to step in or risk losing her to the system as CS, Children's Protective Services, were called in. Like Sherry, I had tried to help my son and daughter-in-law be good parents. I actually set them up three times in apartments. And sadly, during her first three and a half years, my granddaughter suffered great physical, sexual abuse, neglect by both her parents because they were too involved in their drugs. We stepped in and saved her, and that cost us $28,000 in two and a half years in court to get full custody, and we'd do it again tomorrow. We're going to come back to <clears throat> several of these points later on, but I just want to carry on with, with asking Sherry this question. What were the main challenges that you faced or the main challenges you now face in your role as kinship caregiver? Uh, my, num- my, my personal number one uh, problem that's just my personal problem is that 
as a kinship, as at my age raising children, I have few peers in my community. So it's not like it was when I was raising my now adult children. Um, the challenges with respect to the children are getting them appropriate services because um, it's hard to get a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and drug exposure. And as Betty mentioned, my three girls were all physically and sexually abused in foster care while they were in the state custody. And uh, those, those facilities are far away and few and far between. And even a place where you can have a, a girl go to a boarding school that specializes in that care is rare because the ones that do exist are anywhere in, in my area are for boys, not girls. So uh, getting the services is, is, is very difficult. The finances are difficult, but getting the children's needs met by people that know what they're doing, the specialists that, that can properly diagnose and can properly work to develop the children's strengths, I think that's my biggest challenge. Okay. Bertie, from what you hear from kinship caregivers you work with, what are their greatest challenges and what makes them so challenging? Well, like Sherry mentioned, a lot of it comes down to money. When you're in your 60s, you don't have the same income. You may not be working. You may have had plans for a retirement. And then you get these children that have extreme special needs. So getting respite care, getting a break from them, I can't ask my 87-year-old mother-in-law to babysit. She's had a heart heart um, attack, and she's had um, cancer and um, hip replacement. She can't chase after a little one. So getting respite care from family is often challenging, and finding the money for respite care is a nightmare. And then, as again, Sherry mentioned, the therapy that these children need and the support that they need is just yeah, its out there if you can wait two or three years. You might get on a waiting list and, and get the help, but unless you have the money to pay for it, it's not available to us. And again, it's available 100% to foster parents. There's, um, sounds like a, an injustice there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really makes me upset because my child is just as valuable as any child in the foster care system. Sherry, the challenge is to you as a can kinship caregiver, you personally, to your health, to your quality of life, what are these challenges and how, how do you deal with them? Well, I, my partner, my, my dear Michael, uh, the last 20 years passed away two years ago and we shared uh, the caregiving, which was wonderful. Now that I'm doing this by myself and the girls are in their challenging teens, it's tough. Um... I take a lot I take naps whenever I can and I try to plan and arrange for activities for the children to participate in so they're kept kept busy doing things other than just sitting around and that uh, the more activity I can get them in and drama and sports and uh clubs music then the better all of us are then I end up with uh just transportation issues 
And uh, but that's okay because fortunately I'm able to do it. Okay, Betty, what are the health conditions? And this is a difficult one that mostly bring the children to kinship caregivers or into kinship caregiving. Well. The grandparents also have huge health issues. Um, the grandparents that are raising, they did a study, and we have 50% higher risk of heart attack and diabetes and stress and sleeping disorders because of the stress related to these special needs children. But the children, again, as mentioned, as suffered neglect and abuse, so they have things called radical attachment disorder, oppositional disorder, ADD, the fetal alcohol, which is, you know, Bruce Ritchie's specialty, autism, they just come with a whole basket of health issues. My granddaughter at birth was born with a triple heart condition, a stomach hernia, and a collapsed lung just from the drugs and alcohol that mom had done and then the damage after there. What kind of, talk about the support you get from the medical part of the healthcare system. How, how, how good is that at meeting your, those kinds of needs you've been talking about, both in your children and for, your, for yourself? Um, I live in rural Ontario, and so there's nil. We don't even have enough doctors here, let alone um, people that know about fetal alcohol and, and the special needs. Um, we, when we got custody, we thought we would move to our unfinished cottage and raise this grandchild away from the bizarre city, but didn't realize that we wouldn't have the uh, health and medical per- supports that we needed in this uh, little rural town that we're in. So we're, um, for the most part, none. Terry, just draw your experience together around this question of the health conditions, both of the family, the kinship caregiver and the children. What's been your experience? What kind of a community do you live in? What kind of medical help do you get? Um, I'm fortunate, although I live in a rural area, I have access. It's a little over an hour's drive to Dartmouth Children's Hospital and Center, <clears throat> and it's um, it's an outstanding uh, medical facility. To, right now, I've been on a waiting list for over two years for one of my children to get certain uh, neurological testing that she needs. Um, she was when she was little, she was diagnosed as having been deaf because as a baby, she paid no attention to anything, and so now she's thirteen, and she has developmental problems that stem from what Betty was talking about, prenatal exposure with her, particularly with methamphetamine. And there's not a lot of research done or available on exactly what these types of drugs do to unborn children. So I can get access. I have to travel for it. My, my doctor is over an hour travel away, too. I'm somewhat rural. Yeah, we're two and a half from the nearest um, sick kids hospital, which, you know, gives That's up tough. our support. Yeah, yeah. How much understanding is there of the situation that you both face in, in the medical community? That is, to be, to be put it straight, I'm a physician, and if I were dealing with you, would I know and understand enough about the challenges that you face Betty, first of all, and then Sherry. I would say no, because I went into my doctor. I mean, I'm 60 years old. I'm hormonal. My granddaughter last year was 15 and, and hormonal. And I went into my doctor's office one day, and I was just venting. I was telling her what was going on, and I got teary. 
and she looked at me and said, well, if you're too old to be doing this job, maybe you should give her to this uh, um, CAS, the welfare system. Yeah. I'm dealing with a fetal alcohol child who has been three poisonings. She's being raped. She's been neglected. She's. I need some support, and I can't even talk to the doctor about it. Yeah. Sherry, your reaction, your your sense of that understanding. Oh, How good boy. is it? Well, hopefully, doctor, you would, if you were dealing with, uh, in the field of pediatrics, you would know, have some something in your training or know where to send me for a child that's been neglected and abused because their needs are quite different than a, quote, normal child. And in particular, all three of my daughters are, are not just because they're mine, but they're very beautiful girls, and it belies the, the uh, hidden disabilities that they have with their... They've got organic brain disorders, and some of the conditions that they went through, even, for instance, a supervisor I spoke with two weeks ago. In fact, Betty was calling on the phone when she was here, and I told her about it later. Um, She's with Child Protective Services in a supervisory role. She didn't know what FASD was. Yeah. You know, and that's crazy because it's it's rampant. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you there, Sherry, not because I don't want to stop you talking, but because we do have the break. But we're going to come back to these issues because they're profoundly important. So it is time for us to take this break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned and please come back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experience Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. 
Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. Our topic is kinship caregiving, and we're going to go on talking about the challenges of kinship caregiving. And I'm going to start with Sherry. Sherry, have you ever thought that there would come a time when you, the kinship caregiver, would no longer be able to cope with all that the kinship caregiving requires of you? Oh, of course. That's, uh, that's part of the planning for raising a child is, is for contingencies and changes in life. And that being the case uh, financially, my husband and I created a trust for the girls and made arrangements for should either one of us pass on uh, or be unable to care for them, there would be money available to their guardian to help raise them. We've appointed a contingent guardian for the children, who is my oldest son, and he's in his he's he's raised his children already, but he's not a grandfather yet, and he's agreed to, uh, of course, accept the guardianship. And in the event of disability, I've I've lined up all along the way different people that I can call in. For instance, because I have lupus, which sometimes uh, slows me down quite a bit. And so I have a lady that comes in and helps clean house. And I have a fellow that helps comes in and helps clean up the yard. I have a big rural mountaintop here. And so those types of things you have to plan for. Yeah. Betty, in, in your experience, both as a kinship caregiver and someone who's providing support for others, involved in kinship caregiving, um, is it inevitable that people reach a point where they feel they can no longer cope? Or perhaps following on what um, Sherry's just said, is there other things that can be done to postpone that feeling indefinitely? And what would you point to as warning signals that things are getting to a point where um, we'll, someone needs to take more notice? Long question. A tough one, too. Mm. (laughs) Tough one. I believe that um, age and health are huge issues, but I also believe that um, we have several great-grandparents that are raising small children, and they want to do the job, and they are capable of doing the job. Can they do the job as effectively and efficiently becomes the question. I think they could if they had the support plugged in. I don't think the support is available to them, and therefore there comes a time, yes, where maybe they should not be doing that. A 73-year-old lady looking after a 4-year-old fetal alcohol great-grandchild is questionable regardless of how much she loves that child. 
Yeah. Um, and, and for myself, I, I can give you an example. I um, I got crushed between a two-ton truck and a van when my little girl was five, and she walked in the hospital and said, you're stupid, Grandma. You told me not to go on the road and chase trucks, and you chased one. Long story. <laughs> and then she burst out crying, what would happen to me if something happened to you? Because she knows I don't have anybody. I don't have a brother, a, a clean and sober relative that I would want to leave this child with. Yeah. And and she knows that, I'm, you know. So sending a contingency plan or guarding an extra person is, is really difficult. So I have to I have to live long enough to see her graduate. You bet. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's, still talking about challenges, you both talked about costs. I'm going to ask Sherry, what about costs of all the care that you provide um what kind of help is there and in the end how do you deal with what sounds like an extraordinarily difficult challenge for people who aren't in a situation where frankly they're wealthy sherry um i'm gonna i'm going to give a a whole bunch of thanks to all the very wonderful caring grandparents and caring others that are raising children that helped me uh, negotiate an adoption subsidy program that we have that's administered by each state but is uh, federally funded. And I was able, with a good attorney that cost me a fortune, um, negotiate a subsidy that comes every month that helps me financially with the children. Without that, I would be in very bad circumstances, and yet this year, for the first time, I did go down to the uh, food pantry and get free food twice a month because costs of living have gone up. Yeah, yeah. Betty, when you're asked by people through Cangrans about financial challenges, what kind of help do you offer them, and what kind of questions? Are they asking you? Well, usually they're questions about where to find some financial support and if there is any out there. Often for them, for the grandchildren or for daycare for the children. And um, we're, you know, we all had a Freedom 55 or 65 plan, and now we're on a work till you die plan. And that sounds cute, but I'll tell you, it's a hardship. It's 60-year-old grandparents raising these grandchildren. And they are on disability, they're on low income, they're, they're trying to work a job, and they've got daycare costs. They're struggling. They're struggling every single day. Daily support comes from us just connecting with them. As soon as they find me, the first question I ask is, do you know that there's a little bit of funding available? In Ontario, it's one-fifth of what a foster parent would get, so it's $240 a month, and I cannot raise my 16-year-old grandchild on that but that's what's available. Now, we've been talking about some pretty tough things, and we haven't stopped talking about them, but I want to ask you both a different question. Betty, first, what are the things that make the sun shine for you? Uh, Despite all that my grandchild has suffered, you know, her being fetal alcohol and all her history, she's smart, she's wonderful, she has goals and dreams, she plans to be a lawyer, she's a top cadet at the Sea Cadets, and she loves me. And I know she's safe and going to be a productive part of our community. And that's worth every day getting up for. Uh, Betty, same question. 
Boy, that's just like a sunrise, Betty, isn't it? Yeah. When my little Lily Bell, she's 11, first thing she does when she wakes up is wake up smiling and looks right down deep into my eyes and just says, Oh, I just love you, Mommy. And similar to Betty's, I know my girls uh, are going to do well. They do very well in school despite their handicaps and with advocacy uh, in the school system, you just keep working with them. I've had two make the honor roll. They participate in the band. They're doing fun in sports. And um, having two play baseball this afternoon, I'll be going and watching a game, and I'll be cheering them on, and I'll be happy as heck. Great. Now, let's there are other people who are starting down the road that you both um, have traveled and are traveling. I'm going to ask you, Sherry, first, what advice you have for grandparents who are just starting down this particular road? Sherry? Oh, get support. Anywhere you can get it, everywhere you can get it. The more support you get, the more people you meet, the more people you can call, because there are some days that are just really, um, you, you just need a friend, but you need a friend that understands what types of needs you have that are different than just a regular girlfriend. And uh, so getting support is number one for emotional support for yourself. It's like grabbing the oxygen mask first, <laughs> like they tell you on an airplane. And uh, I, having that in place, I think, is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, Betty, same question. Uh, besides running, <laughs> I actually tell, tell the grandparents they really need to think about it. It is a lifetime commitment. I mean, that you may not have given birth to these children, but you are now making a lifetime commitment to raise them. And the other best advice I give them is to cross what I call the enough bridge with the adult children. Um, they have to realize that their child is not capable of raising their grandchildren for whatever the reason is and stop doing and giving to the adult children and do and give to the grandchildren. I really regret three years of wasting um, time and money trying to support Ashley's parents to be parents, and I should have stepped in sooner. Let me just ask you a bit more about that. That means getting tough at some point, does it? Yes, yeah. Tough love, they call it, or I call it crossing the enough bridge. Just letting mom and dad know, look, you know, you're not doing this right, and you can be mad at me if I call CAS all you want, but you are going to either do what's right for this child or I'm going to have to step in, and I should have got tougher myself sooner. But, you, you know, you have a mother's heart, and you hope and hope and hope and pray and pray and pray that your adult child will actually want to parent the children they bring into this world. Uh, sadly, for many of us, that's not the case. Sherry, are you familiar with that? Um, get, get tough. Oh, more than familiar. Too familiar. And in fact, uh, personally, I've I've just get gone through another go round with the, uh, the bio parents that that was uh, traumatic on us all. But I thought I'd traveled over the enough bridge, Betty. But I jumped back on it. And uh, it was not, not a good thing, but counseling with other people um, can be involved with their, their uh, relative or grandchild. That is very important, is to understand that 
the adult can take care of themselves, the children can't. Right. Now, we're going to have to break that, but we will have a chance to discuss these things uh, in a different way in a moment. Time for the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you a wow, a wise, outrageous woman of a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the Wow Zone each week where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz. In the Wow Zone, broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Anything is possible. Are you waiting to be discovered? Don't know where to start? Do you think you have star power? Find out if you do and how to make it work for you. 30-year transformational acting veteran Sandy Shuren hosts The Sandy Shuren Show, where acting and the arts meet transformation. Sandy will discuss the concepts that has brought her work to Oprah and America's Next Top Model. From the audition, to booking the job, and finding your star power, Sandy has it all. Don't miss The Sandy Shuren Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Betty Cornelius and Sherry Johnson. Our topic is kinship caregiving. Now, this is a question to both Betty and Sherry, and I'm going to ask them to suppose that as individuals, they are appointed by their governments to oversee the development of support for kinship caregiving. So my question to first to Betty is, what are the things you would propose and why would you propose them? Betty. Well, the government put me in charge of kinship for the caregiving. That would be the smartest thing our government ever did. <laughs> I, I would create a kinship advocacy office that would oversee the funding and the issues regarding kinship caregivers and the kinship children. Personally, I hate going to our local welfare office, Ontario Works, to do my kinship issues. Um, I would ask that and make sure that kinship funding was equivalent to foster care funding, I see no reason why my child should be treated and discriminated against simply because she ended up in my home and not a foster home. Funding and accountability um, for those issues. Um, creating a subsidized guardianship similar to what Sherry was talking about with the um, subsidized um, adoption. We don't have that um, readily available to us here. 
a 1-800 number. It makes me crazy. There's 20,000 kinship families in Ontario, and they have to find me. We should have a 1-800 kinship number. There, there's 20,000 blind people in Ontario, and we have the CNIB, you know. It, it's just the, the discrimination, it makes me um, want to stand on the top of a mountain and scream. And that the funding follow the child. So should something happen to me, that I can be assured that this child has the funding she needs no matter where she ends up. And I think that's crucial. Sherry? Yeah, yeah Sherry? Oh, boy, Betty, you just went down my list here. I'm sorry. You're living in different countries. Yeah. Um, yes, the advocacy office or an ombudsman type of office would be great. I want to touch on the adoption subsidy, though, to, to make it clear that this this is available, but without the support that I received from people who had walked my road before, I wouldn't have known about it. I wouldn't have known how to apply for it, and I wouldn't have had the patience or understanding that it was going to take six years to work through the process. Um, but it, it is available, and it's a wonderful thing. I agree that, that kinship caregivers for the children should receive an equivalent to foster care providers, and in the states now, we do have to become foster parents if the children are in state custody, which is a very big hardship on a grandparent qualifying, even though it's their own grandchild. Um, I think the children need to be assured that health insurance in the United States, we don't have that, uh, any guarantee. Dental care, I think we should have respite child care like foster parents do, um, household help if need be for uh, grandparents that, that need that extra help who are somewhat disabled, um, perhaps a driver, like the handicapped uh, buses that we have here that will pick up handicapped people, and uh, legal help, help with uh, navigating through the child protective system, help with the schools and the scheduling and help with... Uh, access to recreational facilities, and I think an advocacy office would go very far in, in, in promoting these things. I'm going to ask you this question. I understand, because Betty told me, that September 2nd is National Grandparent Day, and that's in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, what, do you, what would you like to see done to raise the profile of National Grandparent day, and what would be the agenda that you would like to see discussed on that particular day? Wow. Uh, whichever, Sherry, you go You've got me stumped. <laughs> All right. Okay. But it's something uh, to think about, though. Yeah. It's actually the second Sunday, yeah. the second Sunday in September, which this year is September 11th, yeah. and um, just more government awareness, just more public awareness. People don't know about us. I, I call us the red car scenario. Unless you go out and buy a red car, you just don't know how many are out there. And unless you're raising a grandchild, you think you're alone. Sure. Sherry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I run across uh, every day if I'm chatting. You know, some days you have more time to stop and chat with the folks you bump into. My postmaster's raising a grandchild. I've been going there every day for seven years. Um we're all around, and yet we're just kind of invisible. Yeah. yeah. 
same thing. Yesterday, I took a four-year-old to a McDonald's play center, and this lady came in and said, oh, he's wearing me out. And I said, yeah, but you can return him at the end of the day. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, no, I can't. So I told her who I was, and she started crying. Yeah. I mean, yes. She started crying. Yes. <laughs> no, and, she, and then she's apologizing. I'm going, no, you, I, I get it. But people don't know that we're out here. We're the invisible minority. I have, I have a standing joke with meeting uh, a new grandparent as parent as I shake their hand and say, yeah, there's a lot of that going around lately. Yeah. Well, so, 15% increase in the last 10 years of kinship families. How many percent? 15% in Canada mm. of, of kinship families. That's huge. Sure. So is for the second Sunday in September, sorry I got the date wrong, um, is this a question then of making particular issues like, for example, the rising number of, of kinship-giving families, the, the way in which these care, kinship caregivers save money for the government or society as a whole. Um, are those the kinds of messages that you would like to see got across on that Sunday? Definitely. Definitely. We're saving the, our government gazillions of dollars. Our children are doing... 10 times better than children in foster care. 50% of all foster care kids don't graduate. Our kids graduate at a, like a 90% rate. So just them being productive parts of the community, we're saving the money. Yeah. Jerry? Well, on, the, on another end of that scale in the United States, over 60% of the prison population the inmates were our former foster children. So again, you don't find that correlation with uh, children that have been raised by their grandparents. That's a very powerful argument, isn't it? A very powerful statistic. I'm still staying with this national day because it must mean that there are some organizations that are prepared to speak out or provide a platform or do something to help. Um, how do we reach them? What do we do uh, to help them get the message across, the message being what you two have both been talking about? What do we do? I don't know, because National Grandparents Day was like, you know, National Mother's Day, a sweet, a sweet um, you know, card-selling, flower-giving day. And, and for us, it means something totally different. And so we, you know, we did a doll rally here with the government last year. We took 900 dolls and 200 grandparents down to the legislation building and did a huge protest. And as I said, we may as well talk to the walls. You know, I don't know. I, I would love to know the answer of how we get this message out, and especially out to the powers of to be. But I certainly thank you for giving us this hour and. We pray that, um, you know, we will have um, educated and made more people aware. Thank you for that. Would you both be willing to do um, another show? It can't be broadcast on the actual Sunday, but would you be willing and interested in doing another show uh, around National Grandparents Day to try to generate an agenda for both our countries to bring things together so that all the things you've been talking about are better addressed? I'm asking, <laughs> in other words, you if you would join me again around that time, would you Definitely. both? Definitely. Definitely. I'd be happy to, and perhaps we could uh, 
begin with uh, finding a date for a National Kinship Caregivers Day. Right on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, if I were to ask, let me ask you this question. If there were two messages you would like to get to the audience and to anybody interested in this broad topic from the point of view of doing something helpful, what are your two chief points? Betty, first of all. Oh, I always say, if you... Just look around. Find the red car in your community. Find the kinship family in your community that is raising a grandchild, raising and and help. Offer to take that child to soccer. Offer to you know spend Saturday with that child. Offer to come and cut that grandmother's lawn. See if the roof needs repair. And um, I lost my second point, so I'll pass it over to Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um. I, I think recognizing, looking around, right now there's no, no uh, colored ribbon anyone wears or anything visible. We're old folks mostly, um, a lot of age bias out there. But just if you do know somebody, just give, give, them, give them an hour of your time. Very good. Yeah, I get really tired. People say, oh, you know, you're going to get a crown in heaven. But I don't need a crown in heaven. I need support for my grandchild today. I need my windows washed. I need, yeah. Exactly. And the other thing I was going to say, I remembered my second point, Gordon, so I'll quickly say it. Um, Very quick. If, if to... you're a grandparent out there, you are not alone. Find us. We're CanGrants. I'm on the web. Look around. Google it. You'll find us. Okay, great. Thank you very much, both of you. Um, to our listeners, thank you. Please email us with your comments and suggestions and any ideas you have. Thank you to Betty and Sherry. Um, you've shared your experience, you've shared your insights, and you've shared your advice, but you've also, I think, made us understand that there's an issue here that has to be taken forward. Um, and if I can be helpful doing it, it'll, be, it'll make me proud. Our next episode is about civil rights and civil liberties for family caregivers. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.